Tea drinkers and listeners, this is Corey Calderwood, Staffleton, spilling the tea. Before we steep into this week's episode, I want y'all to know of a special episode coming next week. We are going to have seniors from the 2020 class spilling the tea as to what they enjoyed about Verona High School. That's right, seniors, not Staffleton, but seniors from our 2020 class will be here sharing their thoughts before they graduate. There's the bell. Time for class. What's going on, Education Nation? This is Corey Calder, and we have another special one for you today. We have a first-year department chair, Miss Ashley Johnson. You want to say hey? Hello. So, Miss Johnson, can you tell the audience of Staffordy Spilling the Tea sort of how you got into education and how you ended up at Verina? Um, so, as a high school student, I was fully focused on becoming a social worker. That was my plan. Um, and the more I kind of voiced that to my mom, my mom was like, yeah, I don't, I really think that's the best move for you because <laughs> I'm one of those people that, um, I definitely wear my heart on my sleeve and I take on everything of everyone else and it becomes my own problem and my own stressor. And so my mom was kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the best fit for you. And so, um, by the time I hit my junior year of high school, I got a history teacher, a U.S. history teacher named Miss Gordon, and she was just this amazing teacher who um, ended up actually getting sick during our junior year. Um, we found out later, like she was out for weeks at a time, but all of our work would come back graded. And so we just all kind of thought, oh, she'll be back. Like it wasn't, you know, we didn't know because we were high school students and we just didn't realize. And then she ended up um passing away and it turned out she had had cancer the whole time but was still grading all of our work and still being super encouraging and just there for us even though she was dealing with this huge thing of her own but still valued us and our education enough that you know she was grading our papers and and sending handwritten notes back to us and so you know we at that point I went yeah I think this is what I want to do and so it kind of encompass that whole like social work thing because in a way teachers do wear so many hats that we kind of do have a little bit of social work stuff in us too so you know I said well I think this is the thing and I've always really liked history and social studies in general so that's kind of how I landed on social studies and as far as Verona goes um it was just pure luck um I did my student teaching at Hermitage High School. Um, I went to JMU and we did, we actually, Mr. Stratus, our associate principal, um, it was a small group of us who really lobbied JMU to give us some like Richmond locations for our student teaching. And so Henrico was kind enough to give us those positions. And so I student taught at Hermitage and then this position opened at Verona for a board sub position for someone who was going on maternity leave. So I interviewed for that and I got that. And then that teacher decided not to come back. So I interviewed and I got that position. So I have been at Verona now since 2000, March of 2002, and I've never looked back. <laughs> well, we're, we're definitely lucky to have you at Verona. And I know you're like a huge asset in the kids. Oh, thank you. Uh, love you to death, um, whether it's your early bird kids or your athletes or, you know, all the students who come through your room, I know love you to death. Thank um, you. So, what can you um, spill the tea as to what you do well in your classroom or or tell us how your classroom is run and then, you know, spill the tea on what you do well. 
Um, so I've kind of learned over the years that our kids need structure, but not too much structure. They, they don't respond well to something being so down to the minute that it's like, oh, we've spent too much time on this one activity and now I need to go to the next activity because if I don't, my lesson plan is going to be ruined. And so, you know, I've kind of learned that the kids like enough structure that they kind of feel like they know what they're expecting when they come in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, on a typical day, um, I do give the kids, you know, I know a lot of teachers are really into like warm up as soon as you walk in the door, there's a a do now or a warm up. And as soon as you sit down, you need to get to it. And for me, my get to it is just them getting to talk to each other for a few minutes or talk to me for a few minutes. I'm doing attendance and they're just kind of chit chatting with each other because, you know, a lot of times, and you know, as a teacher, they like to talk to each other. And so if you Mm -hmm. give them those few minutes in the beginning, um, just to say, you know, guess what just happened to me in my last class? Or did you see what happened on the sidewalk? Or did you see, you know, I'm just to give them that those few minutes and then to talk to me because sometimes I need a little break, um, you know, just a little decompression minute. And, you know, so I give them that. And then, I mean, it just depends on what content it is. I have U.S. History, which is an SOL course. So it's a little bit more structured than say my psychology course, which is an elective and I have a lot of freedom in there. So, um, you know, it just depends on what the content is. I also have an AP class. Um, and so we kind of have to be really structured there too. Um, but you know, lots of, I kind of shifted in my psych class to doing some more project based things rather than just doing tests. And so I actually had kids, um, right before we went out, they were making talk shows. They were recording talk shows or kind of like a podcast kind of thing about gender differences. And so I broke the groups into girls, um, to kind of trying to balance it with girls and boys in one group. And they were able to like ask each other like burning questions um, that they've always wanted to know from the opposite gender. So it was interesting to see that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I feel like there's always lots of laughing. There's always lots of um, me wandering through the classroom, you know, asking, hey, what are you doing? Don't you want to focus? Hey, come back, come back. Um, so, you know, they're typical teenagers and you kind of have to to reroute them sometimes. But I think for the most part, if you ask my kids, um, it would be a pretty consistent like you get a pretty consistent miss johnson there's going to be some you know note taking or direct instruction and then some activities lots of activities to kind of reinforce whatever it is they're learning it might be a primary source document it might be um, them creating something it might be a socratic seminar Um, there's just a lot of options especially in social studies yeah and you know i know this year y'all have really stepped outside of you know the bubble and you've really tried some new pedagogy in the classroom am I right yes and so um can you speak to a little bit to that like sort of um how y'all have made that transition and what are some really cool things y'all are doing right now um so because of the fact that the general assembly keeps going back and forth with testing and Um, you know, especially with social studies, we don't technically count for accreditation for the school. We do impact on-time graduation and things like that. But there's been this talk of them shifting to more performance-based tasks for 
students earning an SOL in history. Um, so we've just kind of been trying to to work more on skills and kind of getting away from just prepping them for a test, which I know other departments have been doing as well. But, um, you know, like I said, we we tried the Socratic seminar. We had a department meeting. Um, Lavecchia, who's one of our department members who uses Socratics fairly often, he led the the um, professional learning and then we all agreed as a as a department that we would try at least one Socratic seminar before the next department meeting so that we would then be able to share our results. And everyone did it and everyone seemed to really enjoy it. And the kids, of course, kind of gave them some pushback because they don't always like to talk. When you want them to talk, they don't want to talk. When you exactly. don't want them to talk, they want to talk. So <laughs> it was, and it's also awkward and it was really awkward for a lot of us because especially as history teachers, like we love telling the story and we love, you know, it's the story of U.S. history. It's the story of world history. And so for the the facilitator of the Socratic to have to sit back and not be able to say anything uh, was really, really hard. Um, but, you know, we tried the Socratic seminars. I know... Um, Jimmy Lincoln was doing some different things with like phases of learning where the kids were really taking ownership of their own learning. And um, they had like choice boards where they had certain activities and they, they could pick a certain number of activities where they're all learning the same content, but they're learning it in a way that's geared more towards their likes and um, what their strengths are. So, um, you know, I, my first year teacher, Jessica Orjahusky, she's been killing it. Um, she organized a police panel. She had a freshman and senior um, mentorship program. She had one class of seniors. And so she used those seniors as kind of mentors for her underclassmen. So, I mean, it's not even just pedagogy. Like we're kind of pushing things to outside of that just more relationship-based stuff, which has always been kind of a social studies thing. I mean, it's the study of people and it's the study of, you know, how we function in groups and, and all of those things. So, you know, it's kind of our natural instinct to really focus on people and individuals and, and how they're functioning in our larger society or larger group. Very cool. Very cool. And I appreciate all that. And, um, you know, one thing that I will speak to if to anybody out there who like runs meetings or whatnot, I was able to sit in on one of your department meetings. And one thing I loved, I don't know if it was what you, you know, started like a bell ringer or whatnot, but the, you, the teachers at the first part of the year, I guess, wrote down trivia facts about themselves. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, during this meeting, I'm going to read this one. It was like, I don't like birds. Yeah. And they're all kind of like guessing like, <laughs> who, who doesn't like birds? And then like the, was it, was it Mr. Franklin? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Franklin was like, it was me. I don't like birds. And it like shocked everyone. And it was like, it was so cool to have that in a meeting because, you know, I love starting meetings with like fun activities, like a little laughter, a little trivia, a little game. And that's something I'll tell you right now, I'm stealing from you. And <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, give you, I'll give you credit for it. I'll give you credit. But um, I love, love, love that. Yeah, I thought so, that, well, I just was going to say, I think, I always think that's fun because you always learn like the quirkiest things because when we did them, I said, you have to write something that nobody is going to know, not even yeah. your teacher neighbor who knows you better than anybody else on campus, because there were some that Mr. that Aaron Rose wrote, who's my teacher neighbor. And uh, I, 
I only knew that it was him because I know his handwriting. But if it had just been, you know, if it had just been anything else, I would have been like, oh, this is definitely not Aaron. But it, they were interesting. They were definitely fun. <laughs> well, it was it was super cool. And, you know, it's almost something like I would want to do maybe like next year with my students, like during the fourth nine weeks, mm-hmm. like have them write something down. No one knows. And then when we're in health or PE, do a couple and just kind of see you know what their classmates think yeah yeah and you know you you find out some new things about people that you had no idea and it's kind of just fun and quirky and i loved it um so what's what what's uh what are you doing during this like covid time to like connect with your students or what are you doing at home i know you got a little one so you're like homeschooling Um, (laughs) what's going on with you um, well, I, in those first couple of weeks when we all naively thought that we were going to be back after spring break, um, Ronnie and I were really, Ronnie is my seven-year-old daughter, um, we were really sticking to this schedule and I had like this regimented from like nine to nine thirty. we're doing this. And so we were really on this schedule. Then spring break came uh-huh. and the announcement that we weren't coming back came <laughs> and, the schedule just flew out the window. But um, in the meantime, I have been, even in those weeks before we knew what was really happening as far as the school year being over, I was hosting Zoom calls with the kids, which they were much more receptive to in the beginning. Um, Uh But I mean, I was hosting a Zoom call for like an hour every day and I'd have maybe like four or five kids jump in and it was just a chance for them. It wasn't even about... um, schoolwork or like what they needed to do what they should have been doing it was more just an opportunity for them to be able to see me and me to be able to see them and to see each other um so I was doing the the zoom calls I've been on Schoology every day sending messages to kids whether it's my own personal students or my student athletes I am one of the academic advisors so I've been reaching out a lot to Um, my student athletes, making sure that they're taking care of what they need to take care of. Um, And it's been, you know, everyone kind of has this mindset of working from home is going to be so easy. And it probably is easy if you don't have other people around. (laughs) Um, But it's hard. Like yesterday, I kind of hit a wall of just being overwhelmed and my daughter wants to play and she wants me to do stuff with her and I can't because I'm trying to do schoolwork. And, you know, it's just hard to balance because you try to make all these, you're trying to make plans to do stuff with, with meetings. And then you have a meeting scheduled and then another meeting gets scheduled and you're trying to figure out how to balance all these meetings, which I guess we did at school too, but now it just feels different because you're sitting at your, kitchen table or you're sitting at a desk in your house and it's like I, don't, I can't just walk up to the office and go tell whoever I, that I can't make mm-hmm. the meeting or explain why I can't make the meeting so I it's been it's been interesting I, I definitely you know we kind of joked in our department meeting last week that the education classes at our colleges never prepared you for anything like this um, you know, uh-huh. they prepare you for all these situations that they think are going to happen and, but never, never this. So I think we're definitely experiencing something that, that's going to make us better teachers in the end. Um, but yeah, I don't ever want to experience this again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. And I, I, I hope at least the one thing is as we're doing whatever we're doing right now, you know, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, we learn from it and sort of have a blueprint going forward. So it's not so, you know, chaotic, but whenever you're experiencing something just the first time, you just kind of got to trust the process and, and just know like, Hey, we're going to get through this. It's not what we want, but we're going to get through this. We got to stay positive and then try to look to fix or create a blueprint. Like I said, going forward. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of just kind of struggling with feeling like you aren't necessarily doing as much as you could do I mean I just like I said it's so different when you're actually on campus when you're on Verona's campus um you know like my day I, I teach early birds so my day would normally start at 7 45 because I would pull into the parking lot at 7 45 my kids would roll in at eight I would start teaching um and so I feel like because I don't have necessarily that same kind of that same ability to kind of shut everything else out because when I'm at Verona I'm at Verona And when I'm Uh sitting in my house, I might get up at eight o'clock and start working at eight o'clock, but I'm sitting literally in my house where I'm looking and going, oh, I could wash those dishes. Oh, I could fold those clothes. I could play with my daughter. We could go outside and go for a walk. And then, you know, you feel guilty because you do something and then you come back to your computer and you've got four missed emails and you're like, oh, well, if I hadn't done that, then I would have been on these emails or I would have seen this work that this kid submitted. So I think you know, I I have to kind of learn to give myself some grace and remember that even though, you know, I am working from home, I am working from home and I'm doing it with a seven-year-old and, you know, that's hard. (laughs) So I have to remember to give myself that grace. I mean, I have two cats and that's that's (laughs) hard enough because they just, they just love, they're loving this. And it's like, no, get away. Like I'm, I'm in a room that's like locked right now so that a cat doesn't jump up on the table and start meowing and ruin the <laughs> recording. So they're, they're upset with me now, but like I said, they're getting extra love and you know, it's fun. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, like I said, I'm just hoping we learn from it and find a way to do the best we can if it were to ever. Yeah. I think again. our pets though are definitely the winners in this whole thing. God, the animal oh, yes. Depot. <laughs> Home, Home, Depot, Home Depot is winning big time. So, Hey, what's a one thing or two things a teacher or staff member or someone could take from you to start next school year and make it start like a bang or add to the repertoire of teaching to make their teaching better or help them connect with other staff members on campus or advice as like a first year department head. Like what's something that someone could take from you to better themselves for next school year? Um, I would say lean on the people who are at Verona. Whether that is the other staff members or the faculty, if it's your colleagues, if it's your teacher neighbor, if it's your department leader, it doesn't even have to be in your department. Um, Just find someone who you feel you can connect with. Like I mentioned earlier that uh, Stratif and I were at JMU together, and then we actually ended up like our first full year of teaching was together at Verona. So we've been together at Verona since 2002 and you know he then was just a history teacher he wasn't you know on this admin track and so even today when I'm having you know my worst days I just go to his office and I close the door and I say okay this is Ashley and Cody of 2002 this is not Ashley and Cody of 2020 like I I need you not with your admin hat right now I just need to vent for a minute and so even having that relationship that has been such a lasting relationship. And I think 
that that's what that's the key is you know Verona is this place we really are a family we really do so much for each other and I think for outsiders they don't see that if you're inside you see it but if you're outside you don't mm-hmm. see it um but you know I mean I I have obviously new work besties because straight up is admin now. And so that's a different relationship, but you know, I, I just feel like having those relationships with those colleagues is key and opening yourself to the kids. I'm not saying open yourself to the point that you're giving them every detail of your life, but when you're honest with the kids, when you're as transparent as you can be, that's when you're going to get the furthest with the kids because you know, I experienced something really, really life-changing. My husband died in 2015 and it it happened right after school left out or let out. So when we came back and I had this new crop of students, I was still in this really, it was only like two and a half months later, I was still in this really like emotional place. And I was just really open and honest with the kids from the get-go. And Mm -hmm. once they knew what I was dealing with, I had kids who came to me later and were like, yeah, my dad died or my mom died. And and so just making those connections with the kids and will, being willing to kind of make yourself vulnerable to the kids sometimes, um, I think is really helpful because our kids really do respond to stuff like that. They're really responsive to that because they've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. And when you give them that grace and show them that side of yourself, I think they respond really well to that. So, I mean, that would be my advice is just, you know, being leaning on the people around you, whether it's the faculty or the students, they're there because, I mean, the kids are obviously there because they have to get their education. But, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of kids make a choice to come to Verona um, in terms of having options and, you know, being able to go to other centers, to other schools for centers, and they choose to stay at Verona. So, you know, we're a, a, a great place to be and just kind of seeing that. And then I think my other suggestion, and this is just me being me, (laughs) um, try to make it to the kids' events, try to make it to their games and to the homecoming dance and the plays and the choral concerts. And it's amazing how the kids will react to seeing you, especially at like your, your smaller sports in terms of, you know, smaller crowds. Like when kids would see me at soccer games last year and they'd lose their minds because, oh my gosh, she came to a soccer game. She always goes to football, but she's here at soccer. And so it was it was yeah, kind of yeah, this yeah. big thing um, because football and basketball are, are like, they're my favorite sports to watch. I just really enjoy them. But if a kid says to me, hey, Miss Johnson, I have a game tonight. Will you come? Then, you know, I'll do my best to make sure I get there. And that does a lot for relationships too. So I think that would be my, my biggest advice is just making sure you've got those solid relationships and people that you can count on when you need them and make good friends with Tracy Evans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tracy Evans. I'm trying to reach out to her and get her on this, you know, podcast. Cause I think she'd be a huge asset, but this one's about you. Um, I love the advice about getting to the events, especially the small ones, because even like last year, coaching soccer in the year before just seeing like my colleagues come to the games or, you know, I would go to a couple basketball games and maybe, you know, after a basketball workout in the spring, a kid's like, Oh, I'll pop over and go see Calder at soccer. Like just me seeing Mm -hmm. my students and, and the kids I support 
supporting me while I was coaching. It was really, really cool to see. And, you know, um, I know the kids love it. Like I said, when you get there, they see you, you see them and um, great advice. Are there any shout outs you want to give before we wrap this podcast up? Any shout outs to your department, the class of 2020, uh, whomever? uh, Uh, Well, uh, welcome back, Mr. Turpin. I'm sorry that you had to come back after your <laughs> after your time away from us, and then this was the outcome. Um, but I'm definitely glad to see my partner in crime. Hold on. I'm definitely glad to see my partner in crime back. Um, and then my department. I miss y'all so so much. Uh, these virtual department meetings just aren't cutting it. <laughs> I can't wait for us yeah. to be able to actually see each other again. Um, and my students, I, even my my third block who they know they drive me insane, but I actually miss them so, so much too. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I can't even think of who else I would want to shout out. There's just so many. Um, class of 2020, I know you feel like you've been robbed, but um, we're going to, make something work for you. We're going to make something wonderful for you at some point. It might not be in June, but I'm sure it's going to come at some point. And your teachers are so proud of you. Um, and we love you. What's going on, Education Nation? This is Corey Calder, and we have another special one for you today. It's my pleasure to introduce to you uh, Rick Catalano, who is a science teacher uh, at Verona High School. You want to say anything? Hey, what's up, guys? Pleasure to be here, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day and really morning. This is the earliest one I've ever recorded. Um, And, you know, coming on to Staffordy Spilling the Tea. If you want to take a minute, just kind of introduce yourself and let us know your background and then how you got into education. All right. Excuse me. Uh, Rick Catalano. I uh, teach chemistry and earth science at Verona High School. Uh, I've been all over the place, man. I've taught in three different states now. I grew up in Western New York, went to five different colleges. So I've definitely been around the, we'll say I've been around the kettle to keep the tea constant. (laughs) I love the pun. Um, But, you know, I've taught anything from middle school up to high school. I've coached multiple sports that I never played in high school. You know, pretty much anything they needed done got done because, you know, that's what you got to do when you're a teacher sometimes. But, you know, loving it here in Virginia, loving Verina High School. Um, I don't know if you would going through this, but the reason I got into teaching is when I was in high school, we had to do community service for our social studies classes. I actually did a GED prep class because my dad got a GED. He actually got kicked out of high school, you know, literally expelled. My mom got half a semester of college done. So the education part was really big with my family. So making sure I went through with that, you know, so being able to see the, how I was so happy for my dad when he got his GD, I wanted to continue that kind of process. So that's why I got into teaching really. That's really cool. And um, did you have like a teacher growing up that really like reached you and like grabbed you or um, did you just kind of get into it just because you always thought you wanted to teach? Actually, it's funny because I went to engineering school first because I didn't want to sound like a teacher's pet and go, oh, I want to go into teaching. Tell a bunch of teachers that. Because, you know, when you're 16, 17, you don't know what the heck you really want to do. For sure. At least I didn't. 
So I was in engineering school before I realized I wanted to be a teacher. Luckily, there was a great teaching college. It was literally two miles away from where I was already going to school. So I just pretty much crossed the street to go to college. But um, I had a couple of teachers. One was my chemistry teacher. I mean, first day of school, he ate a styrofoam peanut, which it just blows your mind. But it's just carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, just like sugar. Not that I'm going to do that. To yeah. <laughs> I don't think you could pay me to do that, but that's really yeah. cool. But I mean, it was it was an attention grabber, you know. And then there's other teachers that the teaching philosophy they had would be horrible. I had one teacher that all we did was write notes with the overhead and she would just move the paper up, move the paper up, move the paper up. But I actually enjoyed her as a teacher because that's how I like to learn. There wasn't you me interpreting thing. I'm very scientific minded, math minded. So you tell me what to do and that's what I'm going to do. So like the reading the books in English class, even though I'm an avid reader now trying to have me analyze what's going on between these two characters, I couldn't do that kind of thing. Cool. Well, and so, so science really grabbed you, you know, yeah. kind of hooked you. that's really neat. So what's your kind of current role at Verina? And then, you know, let's get into spilling the tea on what you do well in the classroom. Okay. So I've been, since I got to Verina, this was my eighth school year. And the funnier part is I actually started at two different schools. I was split between Henrico and Verina. Um, cool. Yeah, it, it, my duty every day was driving down Laburnum Avenue, yeah. <laughs> passing the cookies. So, I mean, that was tough, but, you know, again, whatever you have to do to get your foot in the door to start your job is what you mm-hmm. So it got me to stay at Verina, which is, again, what I love. I've taught chemistry anywhere from five sections to only one section. I ended up started teaching earth science, which is hilarious because, well, I never took earth science in high school. They said <laughs> to pass this practice exam where you have to go to another school. So I had a month to study. And then I took it while the kids were taking an SOL one morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, that was my duty that year. I had to go to take a praxis exam. <laughs> so that was pretty stressful because I had no idea what I was doing. Luckily, my science department has always been extremely helpful. Like when I started teaching earth science, I was paired with Jenny Burnett who had taught her own earth science for two years as a collab. And she was amazing. And then Matt Owens, Kristen Gilkey, Trey Gooden were all great to work with to help me get ideas of what to do every day, which was amazing when you don't really know what you're doing. And then with chemistry, I had Kathy Brock, who could be a, a bit tacit, but she is very smart and very organized and was a great partner as long as you're able to go with that flow, which, you know, I was able to, so it wasn't a big problem for me. And then I started coaching volleyball in my second year because the varsity coach needed somebody that knew what they were doing. Not that I know anything about volleyball back then or still don't, but he's yeah. like, just follow what I do. I'm like, okay. So I figured I'd coach for a year or two. Six years later, I finally quit officially. And I still get called Coach Quitalano by a couple kids because I left them when they were still <laughs> Yeah. It's great how the name plays the puns. Yeah. But it, as it, a coach, it, it does, you know, it's not the best name, but it does flow. So it does. It you got to respect the flow. Yes. And it's from, if you know the kid, Landon Madison, better known as Spot. 
Okay, I know Landon. Yeah. So it's, I mean, no matter what, when you coach, I'm sure Coach Stu feels the same way. There's always this family I've already coached and there's little brothers coming up. You know, I got one more year with this family. Then I got one more year with this family. Then I got one more year with this family. It's a never ending cycle. And I loved it, but I also hated it because the amount of time it took. And unfortunately, I don't think the kids took it as seriously as they could have or should have. Yeah. And then I tried to get out of coaching volleyball a couple, maybe like my second year. And then baseball needed a JV coach. And lovely suitors suggested to the head JV coach at the time, oh, Catalano might do that. <laughs> so as soon as I got out, I got pulled back in. Yep. And then I ended up coaching that for four years. So, I mean, I loved it, though, because it. I've always wanted to coach. You know, it's something I had a passion for, playing sports. Uh, it's just – it's the time commitment in high school. It is in like oh, an extra full-time job because it's it is just in season. You're trying to do all season workouts with the kids with volleyball. I would hold an off season workout Monday night, drive down to Virginia beach to work Tuesday and Wednesday, and then come back up and do another workout Thursday night with the kids. And most of the time only like three or four kids would show up. Yeah. You know, granted it's summer, but it's it's hard to make that kind of time commitment when the kids aren't willing to yeah. work. It's as well. Yeah, especially for a fall sport, uh, you know, where it starts in the summer. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you got those practices starting on like August third. Yeah, and a lot of those kids are still doing their family vacations because they can't control that. For sure, yeah, they they, they have no say in that. It's, so so let's let's get into the classroom. Um, can you get can you spill the tea as to what you do well in the classroom? that makes you a successful teacher? I think like many teachers in Vrana, I just try to make those relationships with the students last, you know, starting at the beginning of the year, I tell them the truth in chemistry. It's going to be a tough class. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to fail a test or two. And I show them, I even have my old high school binder. I'm like, I failed tests when I was in high school chemistry. Here's the proof. Here's the actual test. And I show them it's, you know, well, it's very easy for me now. It's I had to work hard at it. So just trying to get the kids to understand that they need to work hard and that I'm going to be there for them. You know, I'm one of the few teachers, like a lot, I think teachers give out ways to contact for their kids to contact them. Many of my students have my own cell phone number so that they could ask for help, whether that's good or bad, or if I get in trouble for that, I don't know. But between the amount of students that had it from clubs, I hope sponsor or coaching, it's out there already, but kids use my number to get help to ask questions. So I think that's a bonus that the kids see that I'm actually there to try to help them out the whole time. I'm not just that person in the front of the room. That's always loud and yelling at them, telling them to do something harder or better, trying to make those connections and then staying in touch with them after they leave your classroom too, you know? So like getting that text message from a kid, that you taught three years earlier on the first day of college from them saying how nervous they were, them sending you a text saying, good luck on your first day. You know, it's those little things that I think, well, it may not show up right then years down the road. And this being year number eight, that kind of um, word of mouth has spread down the line from little brothers and sisters and older friends and cousins and teammates that, you know, you're there for them as more than just that kid in your classroom. 
And I think for sure, a huge difference in your classroom management, you know, you no matter what, like my classroom management is I'm sure completely different than yours with your PE class. You know, I would go in your class and maybe go crazy, or you would go in my class and be like, this is too quiet kind of thing. You know, it's what works for you as a teacher and you and your class, you know, it's just trying to find that connection with your kids. That's going to make everything work. For sure. And, and I've even seen on like your social media where, you know, you don't coach anymore, but yet kids are still going to keep their baseball bag or yeah. football bag or something just in your room because, you know, you're a trusted adult for them. Yeah, I haven't coached baseball in two years, and yet I still con- – I don't. I have kids I don't even know, like freshmen this year coming in and just throwing their baseball bags in my room. I don't even know are. But I'm like, um, sure, just don't interrupt my class. Yeah. You know, if you need to get something from your bag – you're not coming in during class. I will kick you out unless you're leaving school. Yeah, but good again, luck getting in because you're not. <laughs> and I, I don't want kids to be walking around. You've seen them with those giant bat bags. They don't have yep. lockers at our school, you know, and some of the kids don't get to school early enough to go put it into the team room because it's, you know, that's a pain in the butt having to get down there. And if you're the coach, you want to open it up for kids. But then again, it's opened up for 30 minutes with nobody watching it, which is really easy for somebody to go take something. Yeah. So it's, it's a double-edged sword there. So you got to allow the kids to store your stuff somewhere. And again, I don't care because I like hearing what's going on. I think like most teachers, I want to know what's going on with their lives, what's going on with their sports. And it gives me a chance to wish them good luck on their events. And I think that's another thing is showing the kids that you care about them and I was doing it at the beginning of the year, sending out emails every week of when the sporting events were. I know as an athlete growing up, I loved looking up in the stands and seeing my teachers in the stands, especially for those smaller sports like girls basketball that maybe gets 50 fans in the stands and most of them are from the visiting team. You know, showing these kids that you support them, not just basketball and football, I think they'll start doing more in your room, especially those fringe student athletes that, are seeing they're going to go pro even though they sit the bench as a senior on varsity, but they all think they're amazing. But if you start going to their sporting events, they'll start to see that you care about them again, more than just some student in their classroom. You know, you talk to them, say, Hey, I saw you got in, you made a great tackle, or I can't believe you made that three pointer at the end of the game, or congratulations on the personal best on the 400 today. You know, those little things make them understand that you're actually there for them. I think that makes a huge difference in the long run. Yeah. Can you speak to a time where maybe, you know, you had a student in your class who, you know, y'all's relationship was struggling at first, but then whether you went to an event or, you know, you did something that flipped that relationship and then it was better for the student and you. There's a student last year I had in earth science and I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to throw her under the bus for sure. But she was a girl that got, I mean, within the first six months of school, she was suspended out of school twice at like eight days. There was a point where I, I mean, it was a complete disruption in my class. We were full out yelling, had admin come down, like security, and then admin come down to get a phone from her and everything. Like she was calling her dad in the middle of class. I mean, full out, like she wasn't, couldn't even be in my presence for a week. And I try to let everything drop at the end of the day. Like, you know, I'm sure you heard it too when you were, doing your student teaching and whatnot, leave your personal life in your car, leave your school life in the classroom kind of thing. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to not bring that home or bring stuff into work or whatever. 
but like finally like I caught her back in class and she was having a bad day and I'm like let's just go outside and talk apparently she was a freshman but her older sibling I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl was getting picked on and she wasn't gonna allow that okay you know? and again family matters I completely understand that so I was able to get in touch with her then and after that point we had a great relationship to the point where she almost I mean, she failed my class, but that's because she missed so much of the year, but she was getting B's at the end, you know, and then this year she ended up going out for a sport and making the team, you know, so I was able to go see her a couple times doing that, you know, so that relationship flipped really big time, which was great because she is a very smart kid. It's just she had to get that connection because she had so much history as being uh, a tough girl. You have to try to break that down. And that's another thing I try to do with my kids at the beginning here. You know, just like the kids will go around and say, how is this teacher? How is this teacher? It's sad, but teachers do it too. How is this student? I've done it. I try not to. Uh-huh. I want to go in with a fresh mindset. And I tell the kids that. I'm like, I don't know anything about any of you guys, whether you were an A student or the kid that got suspended every week last year. I don't know that unless I personally coached you or taught you. You know, so I only know whatever you show me. So if kids were, you know, suspended three times their last year at Rolf, I don't know that stuff. They're an A student. I don't know. I only know what they're going to show me in class. So I think that also helps out because they're like, all right, I do have a clean slate. Yep. You know, and it's just up to them to show me and themselves that they could do these things. I hope those little things help make the difference. So I'm sure there's kids, I mean, there's always students that you have that are great, that are just terrors for other teachers. Yeah. You know, and you're like, how are, how are they this bad for you? I don't get it. Or how are they that good for you? I don't get it. So I think that was part of the joy of being able to go into the other teachers' classrooms this year and to see how those things interacted and talking to the teachers. Yeah, and, and, and what's like cool for me, you know, being like a health and PE teacher is, a student who might be a behavior issue in another class might be really good for me because they like sports. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, you know, you give me a bunch of kids who like other teachers might, might not, you know, appreciate as much as I do. Like I, I, I get them, but then sometimes the kid who's an A student in your class might not be the best student for me because they don't like sports. Yeah. They don't like activity. And so it's, out. yeah, it's very, it's very different. Yeah. You know, when you go to some meeting and it's like, oh, that student's not the best for you because for me, they're they're, they're my favorite kid. Like, I, I love that. Yeah, kid. I look at some of my kids' grades. And I see, like, they have a D or an F. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And then I look at their other classes. They have A's and B's. I'm like, what is up with this? Yeah. You know? and, and chemistry is tough, man. Oh, I mean, you, you, you got a tough subject to teach. And that's what I tell the kids. It's literally on my syllabus. This is different than any other science you've ever had. And I teach earth science, so I could say this, like in earth science, you could hold the rock. In biology, you could cut open the frog. In chemistry, you have to imagine something that's so small a microscope can't see it. Yeah, it was funny. My chemistry teacher is like, sometimes you're going to look at what we're doing in class, and it's going to be looking at, it's going to like look like you're reading a nutrition label. Like you're seeing words you can't pronounce. You don't really know what this is, but you kind of just got to trust me and let's get through. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's like spill the tea on like 
you know, what are some like pedagogy, pedagogy things that you do on the class? Do you like have a bell ringer to start? Um, do you make your notes a certain type of way? Like kind of what do you do in the classroom that's like awesome? Well, well, my classroom, if you've ever been in it, is always a disaster. It's always a mess. And that's just yeah. me. So I, one thing I tell the kids is they never hand anything into me because it will get lost. Don't put it on my desk. I have bins where they get hand in work. So that way, you know, if they have to come in between classes on their off day, they're not worried about it getting stuck with another class that I'm trying to look for it. They have their own bins to put stuff in. I think for cool. me, that is a huge help and it allows kids to hand in work late, which every teacher says they don't want to do. And I'd say the majority of us allow it anyway, unfortunately, yeah. but, you know, it allows them to hand in their work into a spot. But yeah, I, they come into the room. This year, I provided every student with a composition notebook. Very um, cool. Because I, I just hate when I'm looking at kids' notes in my chemistry notebook. Then you see something from English, and you see something from economics. Yeah. And then there's chemistry again, and there's English again. So I got rid of the spiral notebooks. I just gave them a composition notebook said, this is for all your chemistry notes. Yep. And I told them, don't rip anything out. And some of them don't listen. At the end of the year, their pages are coming out because the back half of that page was ripped out of the notebook. But I think that was a huge help this year. You know, I put highlighters and colored pencils out. And I tell them when I want them to color code notes, which I think works cool. too. Because for me, when we're doing all the math, we have to cancel out units. I like to put the units in the same color so you can see how they cancel out with each other. That's cool. You know? Because, I mean, that's how I, I'm visual like that. So I'm hoping that'll help them to the point where when they come back to look at their notes for help, if and when they do that, it's available. But I do uh, notes by PowerPoint for the most part and loving having to have the clicker so you can walk around the room so I'm not stuck up in the front. Because there are kids that are a lot slower writers than other. Because of that, I've also put notes on Schoology so that the kids can look at it. Or if they can't see my board because they forgot their glasses that day, the notes are always on Schoology for them to copy at their own pace as well. But I've also gotten to the point where I'll put, because there's so much math involved, I'll just have a blank slide so I can show the work with them. Yeah. Well, and there was one time I remember coming in uh, doing like an observation and, you know, every kid sitting there with that notebook and, you know, you had like a little pencil pouch or whatever at the front of the each of the little work tables and they're taking their notes they're, they're getting that color they're highlighting they're going back they're you know they're really engaged but they were kind of trusting the process with you as to how i'm going to get these notes you know they're asking awesome questions yeah. and you were providing that feedback um and i think it was like day one of a unit because you were like oh yeah we were going to be doing something really cool today but i had to switch to notes but it was still like really engaging for the kids so i know they appreciate you with that thanks and so, like, what's, like, one or two things a teacher could learn from you to either start next school year or to incorporate into their teaching next year to make them a better teacher? I think, like I said, go in with an open mind. Don't go with any preconceptions about any of your students. You know, even if you've taught them before, just let them know that everybody has a clean slate. I think some kids need that, especially after this giant break that we're having. You know, yeah. Everybody's going to be behind. We've all gone through that two months summer push where the kids forget everything After four months. It's going to be horrible. We're going to have to. Sorry about that. 
Um, we're going to use a lot of time playing catch up and let them understand that, you know, and just make sure they know that you're there for them. You know, go to a sporting event besides football, please, please go to a volleyball match, go see the girls cheer and make sure the girls know that you were there to see them cheer, not just for the football game. Go to, I mean, it's hard, go to a golf match before school starts or cross country let these kids know that you're there for them, you know, and even more so go to an away match. You know, if there's a school that's near you and we play them in any sporting event, go to that. I think that's even bigger than going to a home game for anything and be loud. We all have our teacher voice. Be, use your teacher voice in the stands. Let the parents see you. Again, once the parents see you at sporting events too, they're going to start pushing their kids more saying, Hey, Mr. Calder was at the volleyball game. We were talking about how great you're doing in class. Make sure you keep that up. Those little things, I think, make a huge difference in the kids' lives. And just keep doing that. And then talk with your coworkers. You know, especially if you're a newer teacher or new to Verina. We've had teachers come in from private schools. We've had teachers come in that used to work in jails. And Verina is a different world for a lot of these people. I know it's a different world from what I taught at and coached at and played at and went to school for, but I wouldn't trade it for the world right now. My cousin teaches at one of the West End schools as her first teaching job. I was kind of upset because, you know, she complains that she has two kids that fail in SOL in a year. And that's just not a complaint you get at Verina. But with our kids, once you make those connections, I have kids that I taught seven years ago that still stay in touch with me. Yeah. There's connections for life with our kids because they realize a lot of them come from a harder background. They see an adult that's there for them. That'll act as a mother or a father figure for them. You know, you've made a connection that's going to last forever. And that's what I care about. Yeah. And that, that's huge. You know, one thing I learned coming to Verina um, is just, you know, you start making those connections and then it's almost like addictive. It's like, all right, cool. So I got to connect with these kids. Where's my next? Where's yeah. my next? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to connect with all these kids because you build this community in your classroom and then eventually it, it spreads to camps. Yeah. And so that those connections are crucial. No matter where you're at, you got to make those. I mean, I was supposed to be heading out to Portland next weekend to go to a college graduation for one of my former students, you know? Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, and this is a kid that, this, this is what really kills me. He almost failed my chemistry class, right? But he was one of four kids to pass advance on the SOL that year. It was just because he was lazy and didn't do his work in class. But, like, I used to – because I used to work at Henrico, I would do their holiday hoops tournament sell tickets. His mom brought him in to drop off work over Christmas break, and I made him sit there with me for 45 minutes while his mom was in the car so he could fix his work that he was doing wrong. And I apologize to mom. She's like, keep them as long as you need to. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you got to you got to find the right time to do that once you have that relationship. That, that's you know, it's, it's not day one in yeah. your class. It's, you know, you build that relationship and then you're ready. to. That walk. makes a huge difference, too. Definitely. There you go, tea drinkers. That was an episode of Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I want to thank you for steeping in our episode. And do me a favor and go give us a four or five star review and click that subscribe button so you get future episodes. This has been real. This has been fun. And this has been real fun. Till next time. See ya.